Welcome to episode 37 of X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe, and with me today is Jermaine. How are you, mate? Pretty good, thank you, mate. Uh, good to be here. Good to be back. It's um, been a big couple of weeks in um, uh, the Phantom world. It has. We've got um, heaps and heaps of news to cover, so much so that we mightn't get all of it done in one episode, but we'll see how we go. Um, we should mention that, unfortunately... Well, fortunately, depending on how you look at these things, Steve hasn't been able to join us tonight, so um, you'll be spared his commentary. (laughs) But isn't he the one that's supposed to keep the two of us in check? Yeah, so this could be an interesting episode. (laughs) Half the time, if you're hearing him typing in the background, it's him telling us off. Yeah. I don't think you should be saying that. Um, So, yeah, it could be an interesting one at all. Yep, it should be fun, so strap yourselves in. <laughs> right well, let's get straight into the news. Now, unfortunately, uh, we need to start off with um, some very sad news, which is that Paul Ryan, the um, great Egmont and uh, Phantom Strip artist, has sadly, sadly passed away at the age of 66, only 66 years old, which is way, way too young. Definitely. Um, it sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, he was, you know, as far as we all knew, he was happy and healthy. And, um, then his cousin, I believe it was posted on Facebook that he had passed away. Um, it was what, two days ago now, I think by the time they hear this, maybe two days. Yeah. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So three days from recording, depending on when we get this live could be, you know, couple more days but yeah it's definitely it um i was um actually talking to someone about about him um and we're talking about you know what art we've got of his and you know got some signed comics and stuff like that um and then um i went on facebook to kind of look to see if he was doing anything else and then i saw the the news alert and i was like oh man yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, everyone was a little bit jaded. Talking to a few fans, even up the last couple of days, and um, and everyone, just everyone, whether they're just a fan from Phantom or any of the other stuff he's done, I think everyone's a little bit um, shocked. Yeah, well, like, you know, like we said, it kind of came out of nowhere. No one knew that he was mm. unwell. Um, in the post made by his cousin, it didn't mention any sort of um, pre-existing medical conditions. So, yeah, it was was very much much a surprise um, for everyone and a very solemn one. So, Jermaine and I had the pleasure of meeting Paul Ryan um, at SupernovaCon in Sydney in 2014. Uh, I found him to be a really, really generous guy, especially with his time and all the fans flocking over him to get stuff signed. And then, of course, he was... um, the guest of honour at the Lee Fork Memorial Bengala Explorers Club dinner later that night where he also gave a speech, uh, which we have talked about on the podcast before and did some live drawing and, and things like that. Um, but as I say, I found him to be a really, really nice guy. Uh, what about you, Jermaine? How did you find him? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, a true gentleman. Um, I um, also found his wife like to be really pleasant as well. Um, you know how sometimes you get like you get some artists 
than some creators, and you can understand why they are behind a computer screen or behind a a um, bit of paper because they've got no personality. Um, <laughs> you could not say that about Paul Ryan. Is there anyone in particular you're thinking of there, Jermaine? Uh, I prefer not to mention names in case we might want to ask them on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he's a true gentleman, really nice, plenty of time for all the fans. Um, and everyone that I've talked to who who had spent some type form of communication with him was really, really shocked. Um, so, yeah, it's a real, real sad loss. Yeah, it, it really is. And like you say, he was just he was just a gentleman. I remember at one point, um, you know, I went up to talk to him and stuff and he'd been drawing and talking and being bugged for, you know, however long the dinner went for, you know, three, four hours. Mm. But he was still more than happy to, you know, listen to listen to me yabber on at him and stuff. He was he was such a nice guy. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a photo uh, floating around of him on the internet sporting double denim. And I tell you what, it takes a good man to pull off double denim, but he doesn't. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's um so he's been doing uh, Phantom stories well for Egmont stories I think from about two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has been doing, um, it might even be longer than that, but then he also started doing dailies and Sundays for a period of time um, for over 10 years as well. So he's, you know, he's had a good run with the Phantom and previously before the Phantom he did some other lesser-known characters like Fantastic Four and some of these other guys that are just not worth mentioning. Who? So, Fantastic yeah. Who? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and then I've been um, trailing the internet and talking to a couple of other guys and stuff, and he. Um, I've also talked to, uh, I guess we could call him a contact, um, a, little, a little birdie in the know, and um, he told us that uh, Paul had just finished an Egmont story as well, which was the first time for about 10 years. Um, so apparently this Egmont story is a three-parter and each part is like a different artist. And uh, Alex Saviuk is the second art is the second artist. And so it um, be interesting to see which will probably be the um, Paul's last work. Um, so, yeah, it's rather sad, but... Um, Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I must admit, it's it's kind of hard talking about where you don't really know what to say because, you, you know, it's so raw still. Yeah. Well, like we said, I think a lot of fans are um, really taken aback by the news. Mm. Yeah, it's a terrible shame and he's going to be missed very much. Definitely, because, yeah. you know, now we're going to have to forget a new daily artist. So, um, I don't, no one's really, I don't think anyone's, well, on the shore, King Features have talked about it. And they're already on the hunt and stuff, I'm assuming. But no fans have really talked about, it. and I'm not sure whether they, you know, want to, you know, not what don't want to talk about the new daily artist because out of respect for Paul and all that. But we're going to have to have a new daily artist, which um, brings up, you know, an interesting um, uh, topic of what do they go for? Do they go for someone younger or do they go for someone older? Do they go for someone in the short term and then do a proper? Um, like a proper uh, period of time where they can find the right person or do they just go for like the next cat off the rank? Yeah, it's, it's probably very much a tricky position for, um, for King Features. But like you say, I don't think, well, I know for myself, I haven't really thought about it because I'm still kind of 
trying to mm. process the fact that he that he passed away and and really the strip but you know of course this is coming from someone that doesn't read the strip really until it's printed in through the strip is kind of this the last thing i'm really thinking about at the moment yeah definitely i think it is but um i think it's definitely something that you probably that will that we need to remember is that um the fandom goes on we've had deaths before with yeah. Wilson mccoy Ed, Edaro Barreto or something yeah, well, like that. So. Well, Lee Fork, I mean, he passed yeah. away in 99 and it's still going strong, so, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm assuming a prob- assuming um, Paul Ryan probably was probably at least a month, maybe even two months ahead of schedule. Um, yeah. So, you know, they've probably, I think in... Um, Tony D. Paul's uh, blog post, he had that Paul Ryan just got the new script. So I'm assuming he would have almost finished the current story, which is the Baron Can story, which has got Rex and Lara, mm-hmm. um, the, the love triangle going on with that, the Lara, the Lara Croft um, lookalike. <laughs> so it'll be interesting whether he has finished that story and we get a clean um, transition or whether we have to have someone to ghost or, or, or something like that. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Um, and then, you know, we're going to have to compare the new artist against Paul. So he's got big big shoes to fulfill. Yeah, he does. It's going to be um, quite the challenge, I think, for whoever whoever comes in. But I'm sure that, you know, um, King Features know what they're doing. and well, well, that's we sort of, well, well, yeah, we hope. <laughs> Right, well, um, let's move on to something a little more positive. Yes. And that is that through 1745 has finally come out. Yay! Yay! It, um, how good is it yeah. to go to a news agent, or if you're a subscriber, to get, some, get a new through comic in the mail or at the news agent? Yeah, it's, it's been a long way, but it's oh. been good. It was good. it was a long way, a very very long way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. Um, the story, in my opinion, was not the best. It was not the worst, but the story was almost took second. You know, took second stage, or you know, a backwards. I don't know what the saying is, but you know, it was not, not almost as important as actually seeing a new comic come out. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. We're more excited to actually get the comic than what was in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did you think of the story? Um, yeah, pretty much what you said. I thought it was all right. It wasn't great. There was a lot of kind of big leaps in, well, maybe not big leaps, but there was big potholes. Like they made this whole big to-do about this guy getting plastic surgery on his face, but nothing was done with it. Mm-hmm. And the story was called The Snake Ring, and really that only had a minor role to play, and <laughs> it was kind of all over the shop, but... Uh, and Yeah, and yeah. did you notice the time continu- continuity was a little bit first, but hang on, no, let's go get the, the plastic surgery. And then, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was a bit all over the place, and I'm not sure if that was a, a, translating, a translation issue or, or not. Um, it'll be interesting, but um, I picked up on the plot on that issue, but I'm not really sure if anyone else kind of did. Yeah, well, no, no one's really mentioned it on 
Facebook or anything. But then again, people are just excited about the issue itself. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. It's, yeah, it's um, great to have the issue. The cover by um, Jeremy McPherson looks wonderful. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's quite nice to have it finally back. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, well, speaking of, of Fru, uh, they've recently renounced, uh, renounced, announced a few things, which um, are basically the Fru version of uh, variant covers, I guess you'd call it, um, but they're not really variant covers. If you read my article on Chronicle Chamber, um, I kind of explained why they're not really variant covers, but basically what they're doing is they're going to be releasing a Kiwi, or if you prefer the politically correct term, um, New Zealand edition of each Fru issue. Uh, basically, the differences there um, against the Australian one is that the New Zealand price will be more prominent on the cover, and the Phantom's costume on the cover will be brown, which is apparently his official colour in New Zealand, which I didn't actually know. So there you go, I learned something. Um, yeah, definitely. What's actually interesting is that this, the publication series, the majority of the time he was in a brown um, outfit, but he wasn't always in a brown outfit. The first couple he was purple, and then he was brown, and then for a brief period of time he was like a khaki as well. So. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it is, it is interesting. Um, what do you think about the concept? I think, um, I think it's quite good, because, uh, you know, there, there's kind of an ownership of the character in a way when you see him in quote-unquote your colour. Like, you know, you talk to the Scandinavian guys and know that the Phantom's blue, he's not purple, he's blue. Um, yeah. And, you know, in other countries, you know, he's red and so on and so forth. So I think it's good in that it really gives the New Zealanders their fandom, for lack of a better term. Um, I would be interested, though, and I only just thought of this as we started talking about it, with through producing two uh, covers, one in purple and one in brown, that's fine if you're colouring it digitally, like um, the previous one, 1745, we just got, because, you know, it's not hard to change the colour in Photoshop. What happens when they do Antonio Ramos's painted covers? Because mm. it's not that easy to just change colour settings a little bit in Photoshop to make a, a painted image a different colour, because you've got all the different tones and stuff in there, which may be subtle. But when you start playing around with it in Photoshop, you can really pick them up. So I think that's going to be quite interesting to see how they do that. True. Um, it's a good point. Um, I don't really. Well, yeah, I haven't really thought too much about it. Um, I'm assuming they're just going to have to maybe when they paint it, actually have the one possible idea is have Phantom's costume blank. And then yeah. do like, you know, like little plastic little overlays, which can kind of, you know, and then they can kind of scan it in for what it would be if it was, if it was purple and then do another overlay for brown or as yeah. well. But yeah. um, that could be one way. But I reckon Photoshop's probably going to be the easy way because it's just um, less work for the artist, which means they don't have to pay them as much. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I, on one hand, I see them as a variant cover, mm. going back to your earlier argument, because it's a different cover. But on the other hand, I understand what you're saying, because if you're looking at, say, like, Egmont, they do a Sweden and a Norway, and 
you can't really say that the Norway cover is a variant of the Sweden or vice versa. They are their separate um, countries' covers. Now, yeah. they've got different editorial teams. They have different content and stuff. So where this Fru one is exactly the same content and it's exactly the same bar, you know, two minor changes, which is the colour and the other one. And if you look at one of the preview colour covers that we have seen, which we'll get into in a second, you know, you, you hardly, you can hardly notice any change. Yeah. So on one hand, I, can, I think they are a variant cover, but on the other hand, I agree with you that they're not a variant cover. So um, whether I think it's actually going to work, I'm not sure. Um, I think you will get a, an immediate influx of uh, price um, people buying the comic because people like me are going to say, well, there's two, I better get it. And then there's the people that are trying to build a complete free collection. And if you don't get the Kiwi variants, you can't really say it's a complete free collection, can you? No. But then again, I wonder if Fru's going to release both variants in each country, or are they only going to do the New Zealand ones in New Zealand and the Australian ones in Australia? Like, um, could you walk into an Australian news agent and pick up the Kiwi version, or as Australians, would we only be able to get it through through um i think that's the case um i think uh the kiwi it's a 50 50 so if you were to basically walk into a news agent as far as what i understand and what i've been told you have a 50 50 chance of picking up a brown or a purple Mm -hmm. which is an interesting concept yeah um yeah it'll be i think it'll probably depend on how well the comic sells in uh, New Zealand. Now, obviously, if they're doing mm. this, it must sell fairly well. So, now, obviously, I can't speak for any New Zealanders because I'm not one, but I know if, say, for example, Fru uh, released the Scandinavian stories here with the blue costume and then they started releasing them with the purple one, I'd be getting the purple one because that's the colour he is in Australia and you've got mm. that, you know, without sounding too wanky about it you've got that you know country your pride for your country so you get that your country's color you know like the americans they'd get him in an american flag if they could um (laughs) so yeah i i think it probably will be successful in new zealand but whether it'd be successful enough for through to print extra uh, covers so australian fans can get them might be another thing but then like you say the collectors might get on it But you raise a very good point, and I hadn't thought of that before. What do New Zealanders see as the colour of the Phantom? Do they see them as brown or do they see them as purple? Because the brown covers stopped in the 50s or the 60s, which even if it was the 60s, that's 50-odd years ago. Yeah. So unless they collect that series, which there is a market for collecting that series, majority of that are, the majority of the newsagent buyers probably see him as purple rather than brown. And it's probably yeah. only the collectors um, like me that will actually be hunting down the brown covers. Mm. Or if they know the history of the character um, in True. their country, they, they they might be aware of it. But, yeah, you, that is mm. a good point. You know, So you know, to say it in a less kind way, how many would actually care, <laughs> I guess? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't... 
and I think that's why they aren't doing the whole lot brown. That's why I think they're just doing like you know like a I don't know ten percent or whatever it is or fifty fifty for New Zealand as brown and purple because the average fan probably the average fan over there won't care. The average yeah. fan over here won't care, but it's yep. the collectors uh, that will care and will be hunting them down. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many Australian fans pick up the brown edition. Um, you said you were going to. I'm yep. definitely considering it. Um, I've got to find out. Like, it'll be about 14 bucks, I think, um, a month to get both the brown and the purple if you know they keep releasing two mm. a month, which at the moment we're not sure of because of the late delay and all that sort of stuff. Um, That's not but, that bad. No, it, it's not bad, but it's still an extra two comics you're buying a month, two of yeah. which are basically going in your comic box never to be read. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many jump onto that bandwagon. Um, I can definitely see it happening, but I don't know in what numbers. I reckon I reckon there will be a jump in subscription. Yeah. Uh, especially for the first year. Second year, the novelty may wear off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I reckon we'll definitely see a jump in subscription. And, Let's be honest, that's what they need to do. They need to increase sales. Yes. And so let's just say, for instance, they sell an extra thousand brown comics, right? Let's just, you know, just a nice round figure. At $3.50 each comic for times 30 is about another $10,000 in sales that of comics that would normally probably just sit in a box at free. Yeah. Another thing I just thought of, though, this whole collector's thing, like, it's really getting into the collector mentality what we're talking about here. You know, put aside that nationality, pride in your national phantom colour and all that sort of stuff, just concentrating on the collector's side. Really what we're talking about here is comic book market stuff. Now, one of the things Glenn said when we were talking to him a little while ago, um, before him taking over the company was made public, was that they were really going to try and push the fandom in comic stores in Australia because, as we've mm. mentioned before, the maybe not popularity, but I guess the um, face value or the face time the fandom has in comic stores has waned somewhat. If they have, you know, if through themselves are producing these quote-unquote collectible variant issues, that may very well help. Mm. And it's more likely the people that go into comic stores that are going to be purchasing, you know, the t- exact same comic twice. Because as mm. much as all the fans complain and whinge and moan about all of Hermes' variants and all of Dynamite's variants, half of them still go out and buy every single one of them. So oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but again, that's the sort of thing you've got to go through your comic shop, shop to get. So mm. this might be a better market, at least in Australia. Um, to put both com- covers in comic book shops rather than news agents. It also, so not only with the subscriptions with the comic books, but it will also get people to visiting their website as well. Which Yes. So you'll be buying off the website. And let's be honest, most of the time when you're going to be buying, let's just say you, you know, you're picking up every, let's just say you're only a casual buyer. You're going to probably say, oh, I'll pick up a couple and I'll pick up the covers that I like. So you might go, I'll get that one, get that one. Oh, hang on, while I'm here, 
I might as well get this one because my copy is a bit tabby. And oh yeah, that looks pretty cool. I'll get a, I'll get a, you know, I'll get another copy of that. And oh, while I'm out, I might get a second annual that's in its mint sealed box as well. So by the time they've finished with their order, they've probably brought another twenty dollars worth of comics. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, a poster or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we have been told that they are going to be doing other posters and other stuff. Mm -hmm. So you know, an order that may have turned out to be thirty, forty bucks may turn out to be over a hundred dollars. And if that happens a couple hundred times a year, plus with the extra thousand thousand. Uh, or, you know, a thousand people that are getting subscriptions and, and regularly buying them and stuff like that, it can turn into, you know, a, a, a de- you know not a decent, but a little bit of a, an upward trend of people buying um, comics, which is what through needs people to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, well, um, let's move on from the New it's Zealand. Good segue, this one, yeah, good what segue. we just said. Yep, so let's move on from the new Kiwi variant, and we'll talk about... Uh, a new uh, initiative that Fru has announced I'll be go- going to do, which um, has been called the Signature Series. Now, as the name suggests, this uh, Signature Series will be special, well, not really special versions of the comic. There'll be versions of the comic which have been signed by the cover artist. Um, these will only be available via Fru's website. Yep. Uh, there will only be 100 copies of each issue, that have the signature series uh, treatment, and they will be slightly more expensive than the regular issues. Now, Glenn Ford um, put, basically explained how the pricing for this is going to work, and put put that information up on, on the website. But just to give you an example, um, they're looking at roughly five dollars extra per issue for a local artist, so an Australian artist, um, and ten dollars extra an issue for an international artist. So the reason they've done that is they feel that covers the airmail and postage and all that sort of stuff for the art um, and to get it signed and all that sort of thing. So, for example, uh, this year's annual, if you get the signature edition, it'll be $19 instead of the regular 14 So Fru feels that will be a good value for money, so that's the price I've put it at. Now, also, these issues are going to be polybagged, um, which basically means it's in a... You know, if you buy those magazines that have gifts and stuff in it, that that sort of thing. Uh, one interesting thing to note about the annuals in this instance is that the annuals will be taken out of their shrink wrapped and rebagged in a poly bag. Um, now, what Glenford has said, this is probably actually a good thing because uh, here historically, the few annual few uh, the fruit <laughs> annuals have been. Uh, shrink-wrapped in a very low-grade plastic, which eventually leads to the colour sort of leaching or fading out of the cover. So being in the polybag will actually be better for it. However, he does recognise that some collectors like to leave their annuals in the shrink-wrap, but if you get a polybag version or a signature series version, you can leave it in the polybag, but it's not going to be in the shrink-wrap. So that's kind of the toss-up, I guess. Um, What do you think of this, Jermaine? uh, Of the... The whole idea, yeah, of the um, whole signature series thing. I better get a second job. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I must admit, I, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with this whole idea. Yeah, now bear with me. I love the idea again because they're going to be making extra money from it. Now, I did a quick sum, so let's just say 
at a hundred, and if they're on average, they're at nine dollars over thirty. That's twenty-seven thousand dollars worth of extra sales they're going to be making. So, as if you add that onto what we discussed before, and this isn't including annuals and Christmas specials and stuff like that, you know, it's a conservatively at least another forty thousand dollars in sales they're going to make over the year, which isn't bad. So, and I love that idea. I love the idea because I actually like getting comics signed by artists that I don't already have. Mm. So it's going to be easier to get ones, you know, especially if they do international ones as well, like a, a Felmaine or a Alex Suviak and, you know, maybe some Egmont guys and, you know, some of these other guys. But I, the thing that I don't like about it is that I feel it may cheapen and this is purely from a collecting collector's point of view. I feel it's going to cheapen through signed comics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I've I've got a few already, like I've got Paul Ryan, Terry Beatty, you know, some of these others, you know, for from you know, that I've collected from Comic Cons or, you know, I sent some stuff over to Antonio Lemos and, you know, Glenn Ford and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So I've gone over and beyond to try and get signed comics. I've scoured the internet, brought them off, you know, US and stuff for like Moonstone, DE and stuff. So you know, I'm you know trying to build my collection, and then this comes along. It it almost feels like the signed comics are not going to be as worth as much because there's going to be that much more out there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, I totally know what you mean, um, and I totally understand that too. From a collecting perspective, I completely understand that. My biggest concern, though, isn't so much the the price thing, although I totally agree with what you're saying. It's going to be that this is, I think, going to be very much a flash in the pan type thing as far as people com- yeah. buying them. Because through do, what is it, 31, 32 issues a year? A minimum of 30. Well, yeah, a minimum of 30. Um, now, they've got kind of their regular artists. You've got... Um, yeah, Antonio Lemos, you've got um, Jeremy Ferson, um back in the... Glenn Ford. Uh, Glenn Ford. You've got, you know, Dudley might do the odd one. So how many times are you going to spend an extra five bucks on a signature before you go, yeah, okay, I've got 56 copies of this guy's signature, I don't need any more. Now, mm. that's not to say they shouldn't be doing it because, um, you know, I've got a fair few things by... Glenn Ford signed. There's that old joke that something's worth more if it's not signed by Glenn Ford. <laughs> I've heard um, that joke a few times since yeah. this has been announced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I still love the guy's artwork. And if he does a cover that I really, really love, like um, when we were talking about our favourites of last year, there was a couple of his covers that I really loved. Even though I have heaps of heaps of signatures from him already, if there was a co- cover I loved, I probably would spend the extra five bucks to have it signed. Mm. Um if it was, um, uh, Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, if it was Jeremy as well, I'd, you know, and he did a cover I really liked, I'd probably pay her a little bit extra. If it was Paul Ryan, I'd probably get every single one. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, that's yeah. that's not going to happen now. But do, do you see what I mean? Like, I can see people yeah. buying, you know, one every now and then, but maybe not every single issue signed. Having said that, yeah. though, Fru are only going to do 100 of each. So it's not like yeah. they're doing heaps of them. So maybe they could clear out 
a hundred of each issue. I'm I'm not sure. However, if they do want to do this, they're going to have to make sure their cover art is absolutely kick-ass every single issue. Now, there was a period where it was brilliant and then it fell down again. And I'd say that period it fell down, which we mentioned on the podcast, is probably due to all the legal stuff that was going on and they obviously didn't have the time to put into really good covers. But if they're going to want to be selling signed covers, they're going to have to keep that top-up stuff that they're doing. And this um, this version of the New Zealand cover that uh, we've got up on the website, um, issue 1747, which is a story called 1943, which I'm sure will get very confusing when we start talking about issues and numbers. Um, it looks really cool. Like it's a Glenn Ford cover, it's, so the art's good, but it's coloured really nicely. So, yeah, that kind of thing, you, you know, you'd be probably happy to pay, you know, five bucks to get it signed by Glenn if you didn't already have 56,000 things signed by him. <laughs> He's so never going to come on this podcast again. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, he knows we love him. <laughs> but, um, but, no, you do raise a good point, that If you're wanting people to pay an extra five bucks a comic or $10 a comic for, a, you know, an international one, they have to, you know, they have to be of top quality. They can't be... Some of the some of the stuff that we've seen before, yeah. you almost can't go. They almost have to. Each cover almost has to be an individual piece of art. You know, no yeah, more exactly. photocopies copies of the stuff and all that because, you know, they're just not going to sell otherwise. Yeah, you have to take almost the. Um, and I know some fans will get angry at me for saying this, but you almost have to take the American comic way of looking at covers, where the cover is exactly what you said, a work of art in its own right. Um, but yeah, those $10 extra for international ones, that's going to be interesting because as much as I love some of Antonio Lemos's artwork, some of his stuff really doesn't do it for me. Like we've seen what uh, this year's annual will look like. I, it's not one of my favourites of his um, covers, so I probably wouldn't spend 10 bucks to get that signed, even though I would like something signed by him. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Definitely. So, I've just stepped on one of my daughter's toys and so it's making noise. <laughs> so, if you hear a kid in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, for, you know, even if they use that extra money they generate to, you know, to pay for Glenn Ford's wage, because I'm assuming seeing who's on staff it's going to be easier to get him to do a lot of the covers, but you wouldn't want him to be doing, you know, no offence, and I'm sure he understands what I mean, but you wouldn't want him to be doing 20, 25 of the covers. Yeah. You would want, you know, say 10 to 15 by him, you know, 5 to 10 by Jeremy and 5 to 10 by Antonio, and then, you know, another 10, 15 by various miscellaneous international artists. So, um, yeah, it would be... You know, and maybe maybe they need to go down the path where they actually use some of the Egmont covers as well. Yeah, that could be cool. I wonder if that's in their licence. Yeah, it could be. That's, that would be cool. All right, well, um, shall we move on to the next thing? Yep, so, um, yep. All right, so Egmont is working on um, an anniversary book, which will be out in September of this year. Now, it's only going to uh, contain uh, dailies and Sundays, but it's going to be a selection um, from the 1930s, so from the very beginning all the way through to present day. Um, it is Egmont, so obviously it's only going to be released in uh, Sweden, Norway, and Finland. 
but it will contain, uh, contain six stories from the 1930s to the present. As I mentioned before, they would be by Lee Falk uh, and Ray Moore with McCoy, Sally Barry, Tony DePaul, Graham Nolan, and Paul Ryan all uh, being basically the creative team uh, of the stories that will be making up this book. Some of the stories, interestingly enough, have never actually been published in Sweden, Norway, or Finland before. Mm. So it's going to be a pretty big thing for uh, those Scandinavian fans. I find it interesting that they have not published all of the um, the dailies or Sundays. Yeah, I, I did too. That really took me a surprise um, when, when I saw this. I thought, you know, God, they must have, must be like us. They've had every story 48 times. But... Um, <laughs> Obviously not. No, just the Alexander's Cup story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've had had that 49 times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Um, I wonder if what the difference between the three countries will be, whether it's just like the, you know, the the dollar amount or the whatever the currency is. Yeah, and the title uh, of the Phantom Men or Phantom Met. And yeah, and then Finland is, is Mustama... That's that M one. I can't. Really <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't really pronounce it either. <laughs> um, so I wonder how many um, diehard collectors are going to have to try and you know get all three versions. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I probably will. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I reckon this is pretty cool. I've um, been talking to uh, one of the guys who is involved in this in one way or the other, and he's pretty excited about it. Um, and he was pretty shocked as well when he found out that some of the stories haven't been published. But, um, yeah, I reckon, it, I reckon it should be good. It's interesting, though, that their anniversary is September. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and so if you really think about it, they've done September. Fru's going to probably be doing April or May. It's not around the anniversary date, which was in February, um, and I wonder if there's a reason for it to be September. Like, does it coincide with, you know, school holidays or is that when most comics are brought? Or um, So, yeah, well, interesting do, why it's September. Do we know when the film was first published in those countries or published by Egmont? It might have been in the month of September. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I'm not sure. No, it was the case with Fru, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll probably get at least the Finland one because I know someone in Finland and I'm going to um, exploit my friendship as much as I can to get a copy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how they go for the international fans picking these mm. up. Yeah, it should be cool. All right, well, moving on, uh, we have some big news out of Herms, and I think the biggest news, the most exciting news, is that Hermes Press will be reprinting the Avon novel series. Oh, looking forward to this. Oh, yeah. Now, this is something we've kind of put on our wish lists previously in the, mm. on, on the podcast. So, obviously, Herms was listening to us. Well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. You know, Fru listened to us, some people high up in Egmont listened to us. Yeah. Why wouldn't Herms listen to us if they want, exactly. they want the inside of what the fans want? They should be listening to us. Exactly. <laughs> Today, Phantom Phantom, tomorrow the world. <laughs> but yeah, um, Hermes will be reprinting the Avon novels, all 15 of them, uh, in what I think is a brilliant move. They're going to be reprinting them uh, basically as facsimiles of how they came out. So they're going to be printing them in 15 individual volumes. 
Mm. Uh, as far as we know, they were going to be paperback. They're going to keep the original cover art, that absolutely gorgeous painted That's art. That's a must. If yeah, they weren't going to do that, it just wouldn't have been worth buying. Yeah, unless it was a really big book and they had like, like nice big cover, uh, sorry, art pages in there or something. That was the only other way it would have been acceptable, I think. Yeah, but still, but then you'd be trying to figure out which one, which which cover to put on there. This way, you get to use all fifteen. Well, that's true. Um, but also, when the fifteenth comes out, the fifteenth uh, trade paper, uh, paperback comes out, they're releasing a big slipcase to put all of your 15 volumes in. So not only are they going to look beautiful individually, they're going to look beautiful together in this nice big slipcase. So it's going to be very, Definitely. very cool. Yeah, I've, um, I'm really excited about this. Um, I've got a few few things I wouldn't mind knowing more about, which I'm sure we will later on. But um, one of them is, is there going to be anything extra in the Avon novels, like another article or about the author, um, any, you know, like... Yeah, anything kind of like that. Um, And then also, is it going to be the same size? Is it going to be hardcover? Is it going to be paperback if it's paperback? Is it going to be stiffer cardboard to kind of protect it? Um, You know, are they going to put like an art on the spine so when you put all 15 together, it produces an image? Um, You know, all these type of things that... I kind of like minor details, but you know, it could really be the cherry on top. Yeah, exactly. Um, it'll also be interesting, I think. The thing I'm really interested in is seeing what the price point is. Yeah, good um, point. Because Herm's stuff is, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, kind of upper market stuff, like the yeah. Sunday and the daily reprints are around, what are they, about 60, 70 bucks each. Mm. Um, sometimes more. Now, if they're going to be releasing these as paperback novels, um, with the quality of paper that we expect from a paperback novel, I would expect them to be somewhere between twenty twenty five dollars Australian, maybe thirty yeah. at a stretch, but somewhere in that ballpark. Otherwise, I think they're going to be too expensive and turn people off. Especially when you can get a, you can get an original for that price anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think the most expensive I've seen one of the originals go for is maybe sixty bucks, and that was in really good nick, like mm. had never been read type of thing. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to have to be careful about that price point. Um, and you know, thirty dollars times fifteen adds up fairly quickly. Plus you know, the uh, slipcase. And where are you going to get the slipcase from? Is it, you know, are you going to have to get it ordered from Herms or is it going to be delivered to comic book shops or...? Yeah, there's there's a few things we, we don't know yet, which hopefully the details will be um, mm. clear on soon. And, and the release uh, schedule as well, you know, they're going to release one a month for 15 months. I think it's months. one every second month, so the oh, okay. alternative month of when they're releasing like a dailies or Sundays or whatever else Phantom related they're releasing, because I think ideally they want to be releasing a Phantom thing every second month, mm-hmm. and so then they'll release this, the alternative month, if that makes sense. Okay, cool, righto. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be too bad, though. Um... Yeah, well, it's going to be very interesting to see see how it goes out. Um, I'm assuming you'll get a set of these, Jermaine? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely um, be getting them. Mm, they're, 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 um, 
So the, the thing is, is which one do you read? Do you read the originals or do you read the new ones? <laughs> yeah. Or I, do you hope they release a like Kindle version and then you read that? Well, if they released a Kindle version, I'd probably read that and get the new ones. But if I had to choose between the old ones and the new ones, I'd probably read the new ones because I tend to be pretty careful when I with my books and stuff anyway. And um, the older ones, you know, even with their age, are sort of flimsy to begin with. They were made as kind of pulp books. They weren't, I don't think they were planned to, you know, still be on a shelf within 30, 40 years. So. True. Yeah. Um, do you or have do you a... need to buy two versions, one to read, one to display? Yeah, probably. You have a full set of the Avon novels or are you missing a couple? Um, no, I've got a full set and then I've got a, a few doubles of some of the others of a few doubles as well, which I'm um, helping some other fans fill in some holes at the moment. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've got all but three of them, I think. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be good to be able to complete my collection in the sense that with the reprints, but, um, you know, I'll still obviously try and get those originals as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry, were you going to say something? No, I was just agreeing. Yep. Okay. Right, well, let's move on to the next Herms thing, which is that the Herms Sunday Volume 3 is out, and they're not going to be printing any Sundays that have already been published as dailies. Uh, Jermaine, you and I... Published in the dailies volume. Yeah, published in the dailies volume. Um, Jermaine, you explained this really well before. <laughs> do you want to do it again? <laughs> okay, I'll try. I think it took me three attempts, so let's see if I can get it in one. So the last dailies volume as we've discussed on a previous podcast, had the dailies and the Sundays because they were one story uh, all put over the both mediums, which is the dailies and Sundays. So they have like a page of dailies and they have a page of the Sunday in colour, etc. So the Sunday volume three, they're actually missing, so they skip like two years, which are the ones that they've already created. So I think from memory it's like the... Sunday Volumes 2 was like to 51 and then they're going to like 53 to 55 or something like that. So while it may look like they're missing some in the Sundays, they're actually already published in the dailies, which in my opinion is the better way of doing it because otherwise you'll be getting a Sundays which will have half the stories and it would be waste of waste of a book. Yeah. Yeah, geez, you'd think, you know, Lee Falk would have thought of this, you know, when he was writing those stories 50 years ago, you would have thought now Ooh. in 2017, uh, 2016, I should <laughs> say, when they go to reprint these. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an interesting concept. I don't think it worked because a lot of people, now you can read the story, and we've discussed all this in the previous podcast, so I won't take up too much time. So you can read the story without the dailies or without the Sundays, but it does make more sense reading them together. There is a little bit of an overlap, but it makes more sense in reading them together. Yeah. Um, through and, you know, and every other place has always published them as separate stories. So this is the first time, which was the, day, the last version of Dailies, where they've actually been published together as once, except Comics Review. Sorry, I should should make mention of that. And I think um, for the just the pure reading experience, it, it's going to be better as well. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, last piece of Herms news we have is that Herms issue five of their six issue miniseries has come out, and we've read it, and I really liked it, and Jermaine wins that there wasn't enough story in it. So <laughs> Yeah, but we expect that, didn't we? Yeah, uh, we, we kind of did. 
Let's but, be uh, honest. It's you know this is an American thing. It's not. It's not a Herbs thing. It's an American thing. You know, you get you get six pages of, or you get six comics, which you know realistically could have been merged into two or three or two or three comics, and you could have had a nice action-packed story. But they want to increase sales, and so we get that. Yeah, yeah. What is it called? Decompressed storytelling, I think they call it. Oh, I uh, call it waffling. <laughs> Well, that's that's um that's fair enough too. There's actually a really funny um, comparison if you look at uh, the ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man comics. Um, I think it's the first the first volume collection of that, which collects the first six or seven stories. Basically, tells the same story as the very first Spider-Man story, which went for about fifteen pages. So, in six issues, you're pretty much getting the same story. That would have taken 15 pages to tell in the 70s or whenever the first Spider-Man mm. comic was, which is kind of funny. Um, it's all about trying to maximise their profit, which I think is probably one of the reasons why people have turned away from comics and rather go for trade paperbacks because at least you can read the whole thing together as one. Yeah. There are arguments, pros and cons for it, but that's probably an argument that's for another opinion. time. Yeah, another time. Um. What's interesting is, though, is that Herms 6 needs to hope and be released. It's been a couple of months for Herms 5. Yeah. Um, like, we initially held off discussing 5 to discuss 6. But it was know, taking so long. Then, like... And then it was kind of like, well, you know, we'd better actually talk about 5. Yeah. Um, the story of 5, while I think it's just a, a fluff ball, it... It has interesting elements like, um, you know, Jimmy going to be having some trouble in paradise, mm-hmm. um, you know, sowing his wild oats. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's got some interesting concepts, but it doesn't really add anything to the story. No, it's, it's kind of like, you know, almost between important scenes stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, but... I, re- I totally understand what you mean. I did enjoy reading it, and you know, I got a few chuckles out of it and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, and like I said last time when we talked about this series, I think part of the problem why some people are being cheated, feeling cheated on the story is that huge gap between issues. Like when you wait three, four months for the next issue, you expect to have a really good sit-down read, but it just doesn't happen because that's not the way it was written. So... Well, it's been... Yeah. How long has it taken for us to get five issues? Oh, it's... It's been well it's, over a year. Yeah, it'd be almost two, I think. Mm. It'd have to be close. Um, yeah, at least a year and a half, I would say. I'll see if I can find out. So the first issue came out on... Uh, actually, it came out on the 10th of January 2014. And oh. issue five came out... Uh, was it earlier February, early February this month, this year? Uh, no, I think it might have even been, um, I think it might have been December. Oh, December, was it? Okay. But so, so let's just say December, which is, yep. you know, could be generous. Um, that's a year and a half of five issues. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember seeing something, I think it was on the fans' vault when they said that number six should be, you know, has been out in the printers and should be with us. In February. Yeah, but still, a year for five issues, that's... Um, no, that's a year and a half. Year, oh, a year and a half, yeah, for five issues. That's that's pretty bad. Yes. That's pretty bad. Um, very bad. But hopefully... But, this, 
second series won't have that problem. And let's hope that Hermes 6 knocks our socks off and then we'll be quick to forgive. Yes, exactly, exactly. And let's face it, fan and fans, we're good whingers. <laughs> um, and we're a little bit slower in praising. So let's hope that Herm 6 can knock our socks off. And we promise you, Herms, that if it's really, really good, we will sing your praises to the highest. Yep, exactly. And with Paul Ryan and Salvaluto, I don't think it won't be, but just that weight. Oh, it's killing us. It is. Yeah. Right. Out. Well, um, our last piece of news before we wrap this episode up is that King's Quest, the sequel to King's Watch and the much beloved uh, <laughs> King miniseries, um, <laughs> has. It wasn't been... really a king, it was more like a, a juice. <laughs> I was going to say jester, but that would, yeah, that would imply it's funny, and it really wasn't. Um, so, yes, King's Quest, the sequel to King's Watch and that other series. Um, has been announced. Uh, it looks like it will be very much in line with King's Quest in that it features all the Phantoms, uh, all the Phantoms, well, yeah, all the Phantoms, <laughs> but all the characters as well coming together to... And some um, new ones. Like, so it's all the characters from King's, from King. Yeah, from the King's and, various series coming together to, defo- mm-hmm. to form basically Defenders of the Earth Part extended, 2. An extended Defenders of the Earth. Yeah, exactly. Although, to be honest, in a Defenders of the Earth episode, they did meet up with Prince Valiant. Oh, did they? I don't think I've seen that. I'm pretty sure it was. Or, or he was involved in it somehow. Um, so, I, I can't remember how it happened, but I'm pretty sure he was in a Defenders of the Earth episode. So, But, you know, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. I'm, I would like to give the benefit of the doubt... And, look, like I said before, people are quick to whinge, and fans are, let's be honest. But I like to think that Dynamite can redeem themselves, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that this will be it, and it will be a very good redemption. I've enjoyed the covers that we've seen so far. Really like that kids, that little kid's cartoony one. Yeah, that's great. Um, knowing my luck, it's probably going to be the other cover that I really, really loved and I wanted at no, at no cost. I found out it was about $100, and <laughs> I'm guessing this will probably be the same, knowing my luck. But, um, yeah, it's a great cover, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the same mind. I really, really want to like it. I really hope it's good. It is a different uh, creative team to King's Watch. But thankfully, it's also a different creative team to King the Phantom. So, you know, that's a plus. Yeah. Now, now we've just, you know, and for those who don't know, the people, you know, us and Stephen, we, we discuss what we're going to discuss on the podcast for, like, you know, pretty much every day. So it's like we're always talking Phantom. And one of the things we did discuss was one of the reasons why we didn't like the King, the King series. And... One of the, th- and I think we all agreed on this, was that it was almost lost between what the series was trying to do. Whether it was trying to do, whether it was trying to find who the real Phantom was, which was the chick, or whether the chick was going to be uh, developed into her role as the Phantom. And the series, in my opinion, which, why I don't like it, and why I think it has been lukewarmly received by the fan critics, is that it 
didn't do either and it tried to do both and it failed miserably. Yeah. Yeah, there was just no character development um, for mm. her at all. Mm. Like one moment she's tied up on a, on a chair being a typical female captive as portrayed by various media and then the other and then you know next page or next issue she's jumping buildings and beating up bad guys yeah exactly and she had a horrible costume yeah the costume wasn't great but i kind of put down the costume to the artist because i thought the art as a whole was horrible in um king the phantom so when it's done by perhaps a more uh able artist that might look better Mm. Or more, uh, maybe an artist that suits the Phantom more because, to be fair, he is able because he can draw and he's published, but the style didn't really suit the Phantom. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's true. Um, but, I mean, I can't even remember the character's actual name. Like, I know she's the Phantom, but her civilian name... or something? Yeah, something like that. But, I mean, that's it. I, there was just nothing. You just could not care less about this this character. Mm. And she's you didn't fall in love with her. No. No, not at all. And let's be honest, it it can't have been that hard to create an interesting character who could become the Phantom. No. Um and and no, I've I've been told off for this opinion. I'm gonna say it so, you know, all hate mail can, you know, be directed towards me. But She's ugly. <laughs> she's not... She's, you know, and maybe it's the way comics are drawn and maybe this is a good change or maybe it's not, but she's not athletic. She doesn't look like she's going to be able to actually hit someone. And she just, I don't know, Just she just, yeah, she's just ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, all hate mail directed towards me. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't look like she'd be able to take on the role of the Phantom and survive no. her first encounter. Like, even if you disregard the physical attractiveness or lack thereof of a character, I still think they need to look like they can do the job that they're going to be doing. Like, take, for example, the um, big African Amazonian woman in the Herms issue. I personally, I didn't find her very attractive. Not that I really went into it going, oh, yeah, Amazon chick. Oh, it's going to be good. Um, but, oh, Steve, where are you? Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but, you know, she was made out to be like this big kick-ass woman. And the way she was drawn, she looks like a big kick-ass woman where... You know she'd be able to beat the two of us put together. Exactly. Um Whereas this character in, in The Phantom doesn't look at all like she'd be able to take on the role. And that's why we were hoping, like you said, we'd get some sort of, you know, training type thing or building her up to become the Phantom. Because we know every Phantom, before they take on the mantle, goes through years and years of training. But there was just nothing. <laughs> yeah. So it just and didn't make sense. Like, if you look at past, because this story of Lost and then finding who they are, that they are the fandom and they become developed. It's been done before. Yeah. We've got 2040 and we've also got the sci-fi fandom story. So it's not like it hasn't been done before. And mm. now they have different levels of success. Personally, I, I enjoyed both of them. I really enjoyed sci-fi and I loved 
2040, but I know neither of them, or both of them, weren't everyone's cup of tea's cup of tea. But they spent time developing and training for them to become the Phantom. Yeah, and you know, in 2040, he basically learnt on the job. Yeah. Um, but there were, you know, they could have done that here, but they didn't do that either. It's just full on superhero mm. mode, and it just yeah, yeah didn't work. No, it didn't work for me. Um, you know, hopefully King's Quest kind of works. You know, you can't expect Lothar to babysitter forever because, you know, Lothar's got, you know, he's got other things he needs to do. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah, but that will be out later this year, so I'll be able to um, make up more educated opinions of it then. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm re- it's, yeah, it's, it's May, I think, is it? It's been released. Um, it's uh, you can pre-order it through previews now, so that means it'll be yeah. out in uh, May, I think. May. Yeah. yeah, around um, that anyway. Yeah, um, you know, unless there's a delay or two. Um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's interesting that King that Dynamite actually came out with this. It kind of just came out of the blue. Everyone thought that it just um, died a natural death. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, hopefully the lackluster response that they got with the um, the King mini series um, will, you know, have kicked them into gear and they'll actually make this one good. Because it would have been easy for them just to stop, but yeah. you know, they've for whatever reason they've taken some time out. Whether it was for the creative team to actually develop the stories, but you know, they've released it. They've um, got the continuity, you know, the continuity between all three of the series. And they're having a go at it. And so hopefully, yeah, hopefully we get something decent. Yep, most definitely. Right, well, I reckon that'll uh, do us for this episode yep. of uh, Expand. So just before we go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to uh, those who have supported us on Patreon. Uh, Jeremy McPherson, no less. Woohoo! And um, another all fan. Right. He loves all the love we're giving him. He does. Uh, and <laughs> another fan uh, by the name of Mark. So thank you very much, guys, for supporting us there. If you yourself would like to support us on Patreon, head over to the main website and you will be able to find the link. You will also find links to all our social media networks. We have uh, Facebook pages. We have the Chronicle Chamber Facebook fan page. Um, We have Phantom Collector. We are also on Google+. And we now have uh, an Instagram account, which is lots of fun. You can see us posting cool pictures of Phantom Goodness up on there. So head over to the website and you'll find the links for all of those. Right, well, that'll do us for this episode of X-Men the Phantom Podcast. Thanks again for joining me, Jermaine. No worries. Thanks for having us. Um, Hopefully we'll have Steve for the next one. And, um, yeah, until then, we'll see you around. See you later, guys. Bye.